Welcome back to the Act Two Podcast, a podcast for the real life working screenwriter. I'm Tasha Hugh. I am Josh Hallman. And it's gonna be it's gonna be a rough one, guys. Uh, we kind of like missed our usual date to record because I got sick and I didn't have a voice. Mm, that's and right. And we're we're back and we're, we're we're trying to keep it together. We're trying to, but will we? I don't know. You're gonna have to you're gonna have to listen and find out. <laughs> I yeah. wonder what our midpoint turning point of this podcast <laughs> is going to be. It's not looking good. <laughs> oh, man. We have a lot to talk about, Tasha. Yeah. 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 Should we? I mean, let's. Are I we guess just diving in? Good. Are we doing this? I think this? so. I'm feeling this energy is we just got to do it. I know. We came Deep on. End. We were hot. You were telling me something. And I was like, let's just. You had just... a backwards hat. I was just I like, did have a backwards hat. Going. And I saw. I saw what I looked like <laughs> and I took the hat off. It's all right. I'm wearing it hoodie with unicorns on it yeah yeah bring the backwards hat back the hat's back on it's, and it's, it's backwards that kind of day all right <laughs> who wants to begin me fine this week in writing this week in writing all right tasha yeah hit me okay i feel like you've had a rough week <laughs> All right, this, this, what I'm about to talk about may or may not have had me involved with it. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to say if this has happened to me. I don't want to say if it didn't happen to me. I'm just talking okay. about this. Just general. Just, just generally speaking. Generalization. So sometimes what happens, mm-hmm. and I'm just bringing this up for as, like a, as, a, as, a, as a warning, to all writers in the world. Sometimes what happens when you're scheduling something and you're on oh. an email thread and now you're scheduling a Zoom or a meeting in person with like 10 people, six Oof. people, let's just say. So there's a lot of moving parts here. Yeah, my heart's already racing. And so sometimes what happens in these scenarios with the, the, a certain type of personality is that egos start getting involved and people want to have the meeting on their own terms. For instance, let's just say, I don't know, someone comes in, they're like, hey, we're going to do 12 o'clock. Is everyone confirmed? I think sometimes people kind of get rubbed the wrong way. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. You don't tell me when I'm meeting. I'm now going to tell you when I'm meeting. Really? This has happened to me a few times. And it's specifically because someone's like, here's the time we're doing this and they're like wait you didn't even check with me is that the idea yeah where it just starts turning into like a pissing match of like when are we going to do something where are we going to meet people sometimes get bruised egos and this may or may not have been ha- happened to me this week or someone else that i know where um <laughs> <laughs> you okay where where it was like this time like a very time sensitive meeting that had to happen and then someone got a little offended because um because of something else but it turned into this big thing with all this scheduling and then people started to push the meeting and it turned into turns into this freaking like fuck we're not even gonna have the meeting it's an ego thing that's all i'm saying and it happens and from a writer's point of view it was really frustrating because a lot of times with what happens is meetings get set and people just assume you're good 
when the writer is the most important person because the reason we're having the meeting is to discuss a script. And now I'm just kind of <laughs> rambling here. But my point being is it'll happen. Yeah. It'll frustrate people. It may or may not be frustrating me right now. I don't know. But the ego shit is a real thing. It happens. It's so strange. It does happen, which actually feeds really well into our main topic, which we're not going to get into right now for a second. No. But it does feed super well into um, our main topic of emotional intelligence and how mm. it applies to screenwriting. Yeah, yeah, that's super interesting. I will have to say, like, being sick this last week has been amazing in terms of scheduling because I can just say no. Yeah. And that feels really good to be like, that doesn't work for me because I can't talk to you anyways because my voice is gone. That, so uh, not as an ego thing, but as like a, when, when people start sort of enforcing their schedules, you're just like, no. <laughs> nah, sorry. And that's the beauty of, by the way, if when we become A-listers, you can just do that. You can be like, no, it doesn't work for me. And because I remember as a scheduler when I, when I was an assistant, you pick like the the person at the top of that hierarchy of that ladder is the person everyone's schedules have to yeah. have to work around, and there was always this feeling of like I can't wait to be that totally. person. Totally, one hundred that 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 might yeah that's absolutely right, a hundred percent right. So everyone is sounds like they were jostling to be that person that would, in that particular scheduling in situation. that made up scenario. Yeah, that's what it sounded like. Yeah, <laughs> completely made up. <laughs> Hypothetical. Wait, then, then, yeah, I just, and sometimes I don't like how writers get treated. So wait, can I just ask? Sure. So then they didn't really consider your schedule, and then I, the writer's schedule. And I was schedule. not, a, I was not appreciative of that. Everyone just assumed yeah. I was good. Like, They're like he's not yeah, doing We anything. know he's not doing shit. <laughs> he's, writers, what are no, they doing? Nothing. Sitting at oh, home. This guy? Oh yeah, Josh is fine, like literally any time during the day. There's something in, that's like that's like pulling a trigger for me because there's something some producers have where they think that you aren't doing yeah. nothing except working on their project. And so obviously you will make yourself available. And sometimes you have to. Like sometimes a project is in a priority of position course. and you literally have to make yourself available whenever they want you to. But for the most part, like you have another life writing other things for other people and they just don't get that somehow. <sighs> okay, let's move on from that made-up scenario. Anyways, I don't know why we spent so long on that, actually. Well, I'm sorry. But, I, it was yeah. me. I was a little fired up. <laughs> no, because it's a thing. It's a it's a thing. <laughs> and I can tell. Like, it's, it's riling me up, too. All right. My This Week in Writing is similarly angry. So I, I pitched on something this week. And I just want to talk about how it went down. Because I, I prepped so hard for this. I was not nervous, just like ready, excited to share this pitch. And then I get, a, I get an email when the pitch is starting saying, hey, can we push it five minutes? So sorry. Absolutely, no, no problem. problem. Push it five minutes. And as the Zoom pops up five minutes later, uh, the like, main executive is typing on a, like a second computer over to her right and not looking at the screen at all. And she's like, hey, sorry. Um, and I've never met this person before. Hey, sorry, uh, one second, uh, just, uh, uh, she's finishing something over here. And then she's over to her left and she's doing something over here. And then she's just kind of like so frazzled that she was basically like, let's just get this going. Let's, let's just Strong do this. Start. And I was like, 
oh man, whew. Okay, because it makes you be like, oh, I'm wasting this person's time. My pitch, which is, it was 30 minutes and I was trying to get it down to like 25 and I just couldn't figure out how to do it. So I'm like, oh shit, I'm gonna take up 30 minutes of this woman's time just speaking. Mm -hmm. I am absolutely going to bore her. She's not in the right mindset to just sit for 30 minutes and listen to something. So I caught myself like really rushing through it and right off the bat first sentence i had she like cut me Mm. off and like made a joke about what i said i was like oh oh god all right (sighs) breathe i got i gotta breathe and like i just moved my pitch script because again it was on zoom i moved my pitch script over her face in the zoom so i couldn't see her because she was just making me so anxious and then i kept going middle of the way through because i had the script over the screen i didn't see that she dropped out because our internet went bad. And then the other executive's like, oh, I'm like, please please stop for a second. Like, I think we lost so-and-so. And the assistant was like, yeah, I'm sorry. Uh, you know, my boss has terrible internet connection at her house. What? Um, and so we were like, oh, well, she can just call into the Zoom then. And he's like, yeah, she doesn't have good cell service either. So we're like, what, okay. Like, I guess we'll just wait. submarine? So, what, what is, what, I don't understand. I know. <laughs> You're it's in Los 2023. Angeles. Come Figure on. It out. So we wait, we wait, and she finally comes on, and she like her internet skipping. And to her credit, she was very apologetic. Like, I'm so sorry, that's so unprofessional. Please continue, just like go back a couple minutes. But it does like ruin your yeah. flow, right? And anyways, I, I get through it, and it was fine. The pitch was fine. There was no like you always want to like sell it in the room for them to be like, oh my god, that was yeah, genius. You You're incredible. I didn't get that reaction. <laughs> um, so we'll see how it goes. There's a few more rounds. I made it to the next round, but oh, you I just did. Wanted to put that out. Yeah, I mean, yeah. She gave me like a note, so I'm gonna address oh, okay. it. Okay, this and, I know this uh, went great. I know it did. This is fine. Yeah, I know it went better it's than fine. that. I, you always downplay your pitches, and and I know it went well. I've talked to you before where you're like not good, and then you're like, I just sold this thing. I'm like, what? <laughs> <laughs> I thought it wasn't wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> not good i'm gonna go drink myself yeah. to death oh i got oh, the job by the way i got the job <laughs> oh cool i'm glad we were angry for two days <laughs> that's fair but i have to say it did make me feel like you know like you're gonna have to work with this person for like a year and if the, i there's, don't know um, I'm just, just there's rough. i'm not saying this is that person but i have a friend who fortunately is in a position where they can kind of choose who to work with and always mm. he refers to people as like life's too short people and so yeah um there's certain people that i mean he can't choose everything but what, I, what i'm saying is he can be a little more picky about who he works with and yeah people will come into his life and he's like life's too short not not dealing I'm with good. this person move on moving on yeah somehow that topic you just or that what you just talked about we should somehow incorporate into our next pitching is terrible episode Mm. I don't even know how. It's just, we just talk about pitching and all the bad things. Yeah, like how to handle interruptions uh, or inter- like go with the flow. And yeah. yeah. Okay, this one's a little bit more less angry. Okay. I was talking to a buddy of mine and he essentially got uh, recognition for being a, like a sci-fi writer. And Amazing. Yeah, it was great. He wrote something. He wrote a, a one script and he got meetings off of it and he signed. And I, the script might have even sold for all I know. But... I was talking to him and he was saying that he doesn't want to be a sci-fi writer. Oh. And yeah. yeah. And so 
it was kind of one of those things where I think he had just this one cool idea and it hit. Yeah. And now he's trying to work his way out of being pigeonholed as a sci-fi guy. Yeah. And he basically was like, what do I do? Like, yeah. Not asking everyone, you know, we were just kind of talking about this. And I was like, I think you just need to write yourself out of it. Yeah. Like, just be awesome at writing something else. I think that's and it. That's, I, honestly, that's the beauty of our position. One of the best things about our job as a writer is I wrote a rom-com early on, if you remember. And if I had sold yeah. that, I would have been in serious trouble because I would have been a rom-com person. But the the only thing I would have done to be able to get out of that is write like a killer, you know, fantasy action movie or something and try and take that to market. And then people will be like, oh, it's the same writer of that cool rom-com. Okay, this person is talented. <laughs> like I look at Jordan Peele as sort of the epitome or the paradigm of this idea where he was, all I knew him as was a comedy guy. Mm-hmm. And as an actor, like I didn't really know him as as a writer or director at all and here he is the best horror writer and director working right now right so it is absolutely possible and it's a i think a superpower we have it is great but that's it i think unfortunately the other issue to that was he was like talking to his reps and he was like hey i want to like write something else and even his reps were suggesting him to write sci-fi Oh, that's tough. It's because that's how they know how to sell him. I get that that's tough. And the only way that they can sell him as something different is if his script is killer. So if he he writes a rom-com because he really wants to write rom-coms and that's his true passion and his rom-com is mediocre, they're going to be like, you got to try again. Like this has to be killer. Otherwise we can't. We can't stop the, this current and divert the river in a different direction. It's it's not easy, but it's absolutely within our power, and so few things in our business are. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think it's I think it's really it's really smart to talk about this because you there's no reason to feel stuck. I think, and even though you're probably getting a lot of meetings at like genre places that do sci-fi and they're like trying to offer you all these open writing assignments or pitches and stuff that are sci-fi and you're like oh god please let me get out of this you can you just have to write on spec something else unfortunately without doing that like there's no way for you to get into the rom-com market if your only sample is sci-fi even if you love rom-coms unfortunately i agree although to to pitch against myself if you are in a general with a place that also does rom-coms, but you're meeting off mm. of your sci-fi script, just bring up, I also love writing rom-coms. And they'll be like, oh, do you have any rom-com scripts? Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah, you, you should have one. <laughs> um, or like at least have ideas or like pitches ready to go when you do say that. But I feel like you should feel free to, to do that in a general meeting as well if you want to kind of try to divert people and let them know you know, yeah, sci-fi, I love writing sci-fi, but um, one of my other passions is rom-coms. Agreed. That's that's tough. He'll, he'll find it, though. He'll get it. Yeah, maybe. Go Next. write that rom-com. <laughs> <laughs> I love how we just assumed yeah. he writes rom-coms. <laughs> I, don't even, I don't even know. I don't even know what else he wants to write. But yeah, that's probably true. Anyway. All right. All right. Do you have another one? I do not. Okay. We're going to get into our main topic then. I'm excited. I'm excited too, because I don't know where this is going to take us. This is sort of a a different approach to a topic. We found, I think Josh actually found an article on Fast Company 
uh, titled Why Emotional Intelligence is Key to Running Multiple Ventures, which you don't think would apply to writing. But he sent this to me as like, oh, this is interesting. And I was like, this applies to writing. We're going to talk about this. So yeah. we're going to try and apply this uh, this article from Fast Company about running different <laughs> companies <laughs> to screenwriting because it really, I think, applies. Yeah, the idea of like this using emotional intelligence in the screenwriting world. You know what? Not to jump ahead, but something just happened to me. The long story short is I was pi like pitching an idea to somebody and I could tell their 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 like expression was not into the idea. Mm -hmm. And so I kind of just wrapped it up because I was like, all right, just move on from this. Mm -hmm. And I'm not saying I have like emotional intelligence. I'm just saying it was like a, a cue where I was like, I'm done. Yeah. I have to I have to move on from this. And when I was reading this article, I kind of took away a little bit of that where it's just kind <laughs> yeah. of like having a sense of other Read the room. <laughs> Read the room. That's it. But yeah. yeah, we'll go through this article. All right. Let's start at the first one, which oh. is, right? Just going down. Yeah. Oh, we're just doing it. Okay. Emotional intelligence. Should we explain what emotional intelligence is or is the, the, the phrase self-explanatory? I don't know what it is. It's just not <laughs> intelligence. <laughs> I think what emotional intelligence is will become clear as we go through these yeah. bullet points in this article. So the first one is it, yeah. emotional intelligence helps you make decisions both quickly and rationally. It says that two core components of emotional intelligence are self-awareness and self-regulation, i.e. the ability to both recognize and manage your emotions. Making decisions in heightened emotional moments rarely leads to a good outcome. Leaders who understand and can negotiate their emotions make better strategic decisions, um, i.e. not impulsive or knee-jerk decisions. So I thought this was super interesting because this absolutely applies in our business. Yeah. For instance, I got notes last week and I was like, fuck whoever wrote these notes. They are so dumb. These are the worst notes I've ever seen in my life. They're all dumb. I'm quitting this project. This is stupid. I'm not doing it. <laughs> and my producer was like, sleep on it, <laughs> take a break and breathe. Yeah. And he was right. I breathed, I slept and I came back and I texted him and I was like, all right, I'm ready to go to work. <laughs> I'm ready to go. Yeah, I'm ready to go. So I don't know if that means my emotional intelligence is low, but yeah. it's really, really important to not get those notes and then shoot off an email being like, this is fucking dumb. I am an yeah. artiste and you don't understand me. Goodbye. Like you really have to sit with those emotions, understand where things are coming from, think quickly, because that's another part of this bullet point, which I think is really key, is it is it's not like take a week to handle your emotions and then come back on the next Monday and then figure out what to do. It's no, you still have to make a snap decision, but don't do it based on your very first reaction, right? I remember, yeah. I forget where I was, but there was some kind of psychological, philosophical conversation I was having. And, and the person was like, your first reaction is never the right one, but what is your second or third reaction? And that's usually the space you should be. And I think that's oh. right. Like for me, my first reaction to something difficult in our in our business is is like fight or flight. And yeah. then the second one is, okay, I've thought through it a bit more rationally. Here here is my my strategic decision. I completely agree. And it's tough too because also particularly 
I mean, I, I was gonna say, particularly in, in, in TV writing or TV writers rooms where, where the pace is moving very quickly and constantly because you're in a room with, you know, six other people having conversations about story. But this can also happen in features very easily in notes meetings or if you're in production, all myriad places in our industry where you're forced to make very, very quick decisions and like complex decisions about yeah. story or um, logistics of, of being on set very quickly. Again, like what is your second second emotion or what is your second feeling? And then make a decision off off of that. And I think something important about this beat, and I feel like I'm rambling at this point, but I really love it, is is that when you calm yourself down, you can make the most strategic, non-emotional decision, I guess is what this beat is telling me, this bullet point. And I just love that and I and I use it a lot, um, yeah. especially in, in TV writers' rooms. I just will move on, but I, I do love that. I, but I'll become so self-conscious that I'm like, okay, my first reaction was anger. Yeah. Josh, what's your second reaction? Still anger. <laughs> <laughs> and, and then I'm like, what is it? Find it. Like there must be a rational uh, component to some, some of my thoughts here. But. <laughs> oh man. Yeah. Yeah. Wait for the third, fifth reaction. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe like the 14th, 15th. <laughs> All right, moving on. Okay. This bullet point number two. It helps you build and motivate the right team. No one running multiple businesses can do it completely alone. While many entrepreneurs start out as lone wolves committed to a vision, they inevitably face the need to delegate certain elements of day-to-day -day work. When this need arises, building the right team is the dividing line between survival and failure. Mm -hmm. You know what I just thought of when I read that? What? I know there's writers' rooms. I know there's like production teams. I know there's all that, but I just thought of our writers' group. Yeah, we're a freaking team. <laughs> <laughs> we're the best. <laughs> yeah. So emotional intelligence to build the right team. We definitely do this in our writers' group because we have kind of like a a weeding out process where we have someone come in just a one-off session to see if they jive with us mm -hmm. and if they don't they're not allowed <laughs> because it can kind of one bad apple can ruin the whole basket i don't know how that saying goes um no, that's it but that's that's true i think that's absolutely true in all walks of life including in a writer's room or including in as as you were saying like your producers and your this week in writing of like finding the right team and life's too short and I think all yeah. of that becomes very important. I've definitely heard of, I wouldn't say no personally, but heard of stories of leaders, like showrunners, for example, who are hiring people not to build a really solid team underneath them, but a team that they can push around, a team that will just listen to them no matter what they do, a team that will agree with them. I think that's something I've often noticed as a showrunner is that my writers are so eager to please and like they want to make sure because as part of their job is making sure the showrunner has their vision achieved yeah. so they want to make sure the showrunner is happy with what they're doing and gets what they ask for but something that yeah. i look for in writers is someone who's willing to disagree with me and that doesn't mean you stand your ground even if i think we're we need to go right you're like no we're going left it's like okay but we're go we need to go right no we're going left right 
that's not that's not what I'm saying. But someone who's like, Tasha, I don't think that idea is actually right. It, it could be this. Someone willing to do that. And I think that's what this beat is is talking about, right? Is build the emotional intelligence enough to build a team and know how to motivate them as well, I think is another thing where it's like, I mean, we've all had bosses who have really bad motivational skills. Your motivation is I fucking pay you. That's what your motivation <laughs> is, right? Instead of, hey, and I'm not talking about like gifts, although that's nice, snacks yeah. in the office, that's all great. But like, how about just like satisfaction of doing the job well and like the enjoyment of the job? That's really important yeah. to me as a, as a showrunner and like a boss of writers is, are you enjoying yourself? Because guess what? You're going to want to come to work every day. You're going to want to try really hard. You're going to want to stay late if we have to one day, if you're really enjoying what you're doing. But if you're just putting in your hours. Yeah. I, there should be a sense of pride in what you do. Yes. As you're saying that, of course, I feel like, you know, you meet people, you meet leaders of companies or what, like of uh, production houses or whatever it is where you, you meet people who work for them and you're like, these are some weird people. Like, and it says a lot about the person who hired them. Yeah. So, I mean, I think that's, that's an interesting one. It's, it's not only having the ability to build the right team for yourself, not necessarily what feeds your ego, but that's like right for the job and right yeah. for what you need as a team, but also like how to motivate that team to work. Cause as it says in, in the, under this beat in the article is the motivation of the boss is contagious. So wherever you fall in terms of how you're motivating people, that's, that's how those, your, your employees or your producers, yeah. if you're in features are going to feel motivated is, is you're bringing that with you. So I think that's a great one. Me too. Okay. It helps you set expectations for yourself and others. So beyond managing your own emotions, a mark of high emotional intelligence is understanding and managing other people's emotions, not telling them what to feel, but actually feeling what they're feeling, empathizing, and then moderating your actions accordingly. So I actually really love this one. I think this is the one I read where I was like, this is just like writing because mm. This definitely happens with producers, definitely happens with writers in your writer's room. A while ago, I had an instance where a writer was really stressed out, but you could just tell there was something going on with him that he needed some time off. So go take a day off, go spend some time writing, like just take a day and come back on Monday, it's fine. And I think like it's being able to notice what other people in the room need. So for producers yeah. as well, if they're really stressed out, you can sense that in the room, like how can you maybe chill them out? Maybe make them feel, maybe crack a joke. Maybe maybe just uh, don't be someone who's adding to their stress right now. Maybe that's just not what this call should be about. It should just be yeah. uh, making them feel good because then they'll wanna be on the second call with you when they need to, right? So I think that's, a, it's a really important bullet point that comes up a lot in our business. Yeah, I have nothing else to add. You said that perfectly. Okay. Oh, one more thing to add. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah, Because yeah. I think this is about, uh, you know, not telling them what to feel, actually feeling what they're feeling, moderating your actions accordingly. Um, it brought up for me this book that was recommended to me by a showrunner called Difficult Conversations. It's by a bunch of different authors, so I won't even mention it. If you just 
Google it, difficult conversations. It's really, really helpful in terms of this exact thing, using emotional intelligence when you're talking to your producers and other writers and directors and everyone else who we're going to be involved with in our lives as screenwriters. Um, because when emotions run high or egos run high, as Josh was saying earlier, uh, how do you address things in the best way so that you're not heightening the drama, but bringing it down and making like really good decisions. So that's all. That's what it reminded me of. No, that's great. Cause you're, you, as a writer, you are going to get yourself in a scenario where you are dealing with a lot of people and you can heighten it. You can deescalate certain things. You can add some fuel to the fire whatever it is. So you're absolutely right. Are you a fuel the fire person or a deescalate person? I'm a deescalate person. I'm a I'm a fuel the fire person when it's like just I want to see the world burn with like my friends and we're like I'm like <laughs> yo you should totally go talk to that person and like I know like she's with her boyfriend or something uh, but like, <laughs> so personally you're a fire burner <laughs> no no no, no. I'm, I'm kidding <laughs> I do like to see how situations play out but I'll never fuel a fire into a territory that will put somebody in harm's way yeah or like i do feel like up. professionally whenever you see emotions rising high it feels like you're the kind of person who's like hey, everyone let's just chill out we don't need to go there <laughs> yeah, yeah we're yeah, fine let's, guys let's take a step <laughs> let's bring back it down. <laughs> let's look at the positives here and then maybe move into you know why you want to set a phone call on your own time when we have to do the phone call today yeah but when you when you hang up the phone you're probably like burn it all to the ground but oh for sure i'm messaging you i'm freaking firing off to dave i'm like burn burn this shit down all right the last one unless i'm missing a bunch no okay emotional intelligence makes you a better listener a truly artful listener is rare and powerful Uh, There's very little in our world which encourages good listening. More often, we're prompted to express our own opinions, share our own stories, make it all about ourselves. Good Mm -hmm. listening benefits the leaders on both micro and macro levels. On the micro level, it enables you to understand better and therefore better manage, uh, where you can better manage workplace dynamics. On a macro level, it enables you to situate yourself with an accurate view of market conditions and make strategic and tactical decisions appropriately. Interesting. Stumbled through that. No, it was great. Truly artful listener is a rare and powerful thing. Damn, that's like just true in life. This actually made me just think of Paul Bay because in our episode with him, he made a comment where he was saying that He's, he listens and he asks people what they want. I forget specifically what mm-hmm. he said, but I know he said that, you know, he made a comment like people are really good at talking and like when you're pitching, people are really good at pitching and, but people aren't great at listening. Yeah. And I think he was saying that he benefited a lot from being able to listen, to understand, and then kind of like take it from there. I agree. Yeah. And yeah, I think what he was, what I remember him saying was that, when you come to LA, so many people are talkers. They just want to talk about right. themselves. And he found that in listening, he actually can get kind of closer to someone. And I have found that too in general meetings. Like I've talked about this a million times on this podcast, but when I go to generals, it's usually tell us about yourself, Tasha. 
And sometimes they devolve into just, here's my story. But my favorite meetings are usually when I'm like, eh, here's about me. What about you? Like, where did you yeah. come from? Where, how did you get in the business? Because particularly in our industry, everyone comes from so many different walks of life. It's, everyone has a unique story of why they wanted to go to Hollywood and, and make it big, right? So like, that's always really interesting to me anyway. So as, as you yeah. start to, when it says be a good listener, I think it, it means kind of the opposite of what it's saying here, which is people who want to just share their own stories. It's being the opposite of that. So it's listening to someone's story, engaging with them instead of like trying to compete with my story is better or just competing for, for air in the room, sit back, listen, ask questions about their story before you rush into trying to tell your own. And that can often just lead to making people comfortable. And I've definitely found people who have a high emotion intelligence are really good at just being quiet and inquisitive and then it makes you feel like they care about you it makes you feel like they want to be in the same place as you and it just warms you up as a human being that's just how it works so if you can do that to producers if you can do that to other writers and directors i think that will take you a long way absolutely can i just interrupt you to (laughs) keep talking (laughs) because it just reminded me (laughs) of a video that i saw (laughs) sorry um about like Pedro Pascal is all over my Instagram feed right now and Paul says it's because I keep clicking on them which is true but I find like the interviews with him right now very engaging he Pedro Pascal is it plays Joel in The Last of Us he's the Mandalorian and so he's like really huge right now and someone was talking about like how they feel about Pedro Pascal it was another actor with him in The Last of Us and one of the things that I thought was really interesting that she loved about him like one of the top things she loved about him is that when he talked to you, he looked at you and he just made you feel like you were the only person in the room. He's not looking over here to the right to see who else is here who's maybe more interesting than you. He's not looking over your head to see if like lunch has arrived yet. He's just talking to you. I think that's a big part of this beat in terms of emotional intelligence. Okay, I'm done. I'm sorry, Cope. No, I um, listened to what you just said. I'm (laughs) taking in what you just said and I'm loving what you just said. I agree. <laughs> Just I feel so seen, Josh. Thank you. <laughs> sold. You sold the fit your your pitch. <laughs> I think that's it. That's Emotional it. intelligence is very, very important, and you have to do a gut check. I have to do. We not just everyone. We just like if you have emotional intelligence. Yeah, I think it will make people want to work with you more and make you feel intelligent. And it's just, it's a, it's an important part of the job to work on. I guess like, I feel like the, the conclusion is don't be an asshole. That's really what the conclusion of this article is. Yeah. Just don't be a dick or be a dick if it works. Hey, I mean, people have gotten very far, but the people who can read other people and what they want always seem to have a leg up. I agree. Silent assassins. Booyah. Well, that's it. We did it. Okay. Quote of the day. The road to hell is paved with works in progress. Philip Roth. Please remember to rate and subscribe. Follow us at Act Two Writers for more awesome writing stuff. You can follow me, Tasha, at Story Thursday on Instagram or on Twitter at Tasha 3.0. And I'm Joshua Hallman on Twitter. Josh Hallman on Instagram. And as always, the Act 2 podcast is a production of Act 2, a network and support group for the everyday working screenwriter. This episode was edited by Paul Lundquist, music by 414 Beg, which you can find on Spotify. Spotify.